Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5e's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. Hey, Danilo from Thinking Critically here. Thinking Critically is a chat show podcast where we take a single concept or idea and discuss what it means within the Dungeons and Dragons framework. Each episode features a different guest from the TTRPG community, and so far I've welcomed actors, designers, and professional DMs. Consider an NPR-style variety bucket of thought-provoking analysis and humorous anecdotes, where we cover all sorts of things, including the nitty-gritty of how to balance encounters, the perception of D&D in popular culture, and the impact it has on mental health. My hope is that each episode helps you get the most out of your sessions, whatever side of the screen you sit on. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit me at thinkingcritically.co.uk. Welcome everybody to today's episode. We once again have got a fantastic interview coming for you. We have a spate of really great interviews lately, and I'm sure that tonight is going to be no exception. Mr. Miller, Mr. Myers, good evening. Glenn, glad to see it. Looks like you're back in Connecticut after your travels there. I am. And depending on where you hear different episodes based on recording (laughs) versus release schedule, this may or may not be confusing, but I just got back from North Carolina yesterday and finished patching my cables, cords, and extravaganza of accessories back together right before we started this broadcast. So excited to be back. It's definitely more comfortable here in my own chair instead of sitting at an Airbnb's old style farmhouse (laughs) table with a straight wooden back chair. Yeah, I can imagine. How about you, Mr. Miller? How are things for you tonight? Things are going great, but I would give my kingdom for a straight back wooden chair as long as the seat pan was wide enough for my particular load. (laughs) All seriousness, things are going really well. It's been an extraordinarily busy pair of weeks, which made it in me last night deciding that the best way for me to keep the creative energy flowing and doing the great things that we're doing was to crash early last night. I went to bed. I did too. <laughs> Slacked like a pro. Entitled. You work so hard, you need the rest. If yeah. they gave a PhD for my ability to slack, it would have it. Kumla. It was mm. nuts. I went to bed at 9.30 and I sent you a question. You responded. I vaguely recall it beeping with the answer. I remember picking up my phone and saying, oh, he sent me what I'm asking for. Yeah. I woke up at one with the phone <laughs> in my hand. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Nice. And all I did was take a sip of my water I had by my nightstand, put the phone down and went back to sleep racked out. The cool thing is I woke up with a whole bunch of really cool ideas and got some good stuff to be putting down. We're going to be putting down over the next couple of days. So. Short version, 
Recharge your batteries, everyone. Whatever it takes to give you that opportunity, recharge your batteries. It will make you a better content creator for it. Yeah, so I'm actually I'm on my way. After this recording, my wife and I are heading off for a few days for a little a little baby moon. Like I've said before, we are expecting our first little one in the middle of December here. and We're taking off for a couple of days of rest and relaxation and extreme pampering. We are both very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Have you told Jenny yet that I said 20 bucks if y'all can get the baby to land on my birthday, December 5th? <laughs> that, that choice is largely out of our control for the most part, really. there's You should be talking to the doctor, not to right. us. <laughs> you put out some energy too there. The both of you put some energy yeah, out into the world around right. you. So if we're all on the same page. We will, uh, we'll see what we can do there, Glenn. But without any further ado, let's, uh, let's introduce tonight's guest and get into tonight's episode. Aaron Tierney from Vale's Edge Games. Welcome to Tabletop Journeys. We're going to be talking about your game, Firmament, tonight. Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, Aaron. So before we kind of get started, and what is Firmament? Give us the rundown on what the game is and uh, and how it's built and everything like that. And don't be afraid to ramble on. Give us what you got. <laughs> As you can right. see, we can ramble like pros. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Firmament is a fast-paced action fantasy game that is about champions of the celestial bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, who fight bad guys who are using this corrupt magic called affliction. It is, it's super fast-paced, super just action-packed, and it is meant to just be, you're a fantasy hero and you mow down bad guys. Fabulous. That sounds amazing. All right. I was going to say, I love that concept of just mowing down the bad guys. D&D 4E brought in minions to give people that feel of it. It is something that doesn't appear in the current iteration of Dungeons and Dragons, but it is something that I have implemented since I've been DMing 5e for the last several years, which is I have minions. I've broken them down into basically three groups, one hitters, two hitters, and three hitters. It doesn't matter to me whether or not you're doing what kind of damage. It's like, I want my heroes to feel heroic. And I love yeah. the fact that you've built a game here that is based on that. And I'm really anxious to hear a lot more about it. Oh, for sure. Like minions and the the bloodied mechanic are two of like my favorite things of all time <laughs> from 4. And so I definitely like how that just works and plays into, yeah, this tactics game. And yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, some of that feeling is a lot what I sought to emulate with this game. And a lot of what the system, Lumen, does really well. Excellent. Cool. All right, gents. I think with that, uh, D20s to the ready. Let us roll our initiative and see uh, what order our we're going to go first round. round. Dun, dun, one, dun. and I'm ready. I'm winning this time. You, you better not. I got a good focusing question. All right, I got a 12. I got a 4. Uh, I got a 10. I'm not winning. Ooh. I'm cool. losing. Well, that's all right, Glenn. I'm sure that your opening question will still be great at the end of round one here. Don't fear that. Thanks uh, for the vote of confidence. So, Aaron, you opened the door right up front about talking about the Lumen, the system that Firmament is based on. Before we deep dive into the details of what Firmament is, what is Lumen and what was it about that game engine that really inspired you to build Firmament on top of it? Yeah, so Lumen is one of my favorite sort of action systems out there. And it is, like I said, it's fast-paced, it's action-packed, and it really lets the players feel like heroes. Lumen was started by, it was by Spencer Campbell of Gila RPGs, and basically it is a pretty rules-light system. Almost everything is solved with rolling a d6 dice pool and basing your result off that, and then using abilities, which are just 
for free. And I, I, they're for a cost, but you don't have to roll, which I really like because it's, if I need to do this, I have an ability to do this. I don't have to roll a d20 and I might miss. I have this ability. I can go and do this and it works the way I want it to. And yeah, so really like Lumen as this sort of system that really has rules that help you design for this very fast, very lots of enemies that you can fight and attack and it's very action cool yeah yeah i was a big fan of how lean that system was and thank you very much for giving us when you gave us our review copies to kind of look through and see what the game was about and give a good read through i really appreciate that you also gave us the game the core game rules that it was based on not everybody who comes on shows does that but that was very helpful in figuring out how your game worked and how this works and i really am falling in love with the system itself it was very clean not math heavy speaks right to my heart it was it very clean like i said and having dice pools and having a very simple mechanic for success with complication and then and then failure was great you just really can't miss just the more dice you roll the better your odds are hitting those three the success category and you can't miss it's a really good feel to the game and i can see how that ultimately speeds up combat i also really liked the whole benefit sorry not just i'll let you go in just a second i also really liked the division between these are abilities that i have and these are abilities that i need to roll for that was a really was a really elegant way of fixing that kind of gap where it's like hey i'm i've got a plus 11 in acrobatics but i rolled a natural one so i guess i'm not going to succeed on this that kind of right. yeah go ahead glenn sorry no no worries i was going to say in reading the the actual game engine of lumens rules that you sent along as well i we thought that was cool but i'm really not sure we should have ever let me read a game design document that detailed how to do that because it could take me down rabbit holes we're not prepared <laughs> to deal with but the i can see exactly why for what you're describing firmament to be you would go with lumen because when i was reading lumen one of the immediate relations i made was to a lot of the rules like narrative heavy games that are coming out now with a success with complications failure type dynamic based on different dice systems etc powered by the apocalypse and several others but what he did with lumen was by bringing in a mild version of the turn and rounds basically bringing in a slightly simplified mechanic but still a structured mechanic for the combat piece that's what's bringing in the ability to do the cinematic mowing down of bad guys and bring just a little bit more focus onto the combat piece but still staying so rules light that it's flexible and you could go in any direction you want with it and i'm really looking forward to see how the discussion plays out and honestly how the game plays out cool all right mr miller hey. is yours sir i'm so not used to going number two in the thing round though you did take my first question thank you josh I, uh, it was the softball question i'm going to admit yeah. that's i figured that all three of us had that so what's this lumen thing question going on yeah. so that's yeah i'm gonna throw out our second softball question which is basically talking to your history with games how did you get started in gaming like where did that come from what brought you to the rpg community and then what was the impetus to go from a gamer to a content creator but really what brought you to the house and then what made you decide to start building your own houses one thing was that i mentioned before the show that i work at an escape room that's my day job when i'm not making games and one of the things about an escape room is that we're sitting around a whole lot paying attention to other people solving puzzles that you know by heart and so you have to have 
something like a notebook to write in or something to do when teams are doing well and you don't have to pay as much attention to them. So I started just designing a homebrew D&D world and I had played D&D from like when I was a kid, I played in college, but this was me like doing this just offhand. And then I was wondering like, huh, I wonder if there are any places online where you like publish D&D stuff. Cause I knew people did it. I didn't know anything about it. And I found DMs Guild and then I was like, oh, hey, this is a really cool thing. I'm going to make this book of custom merfolk race for D&D. And I slowly got into more and more D&D design stuff. And then I started like looking into indie games more. And my first game before Firmament was actually based on the very rules-light system called Calcore. That it was because it was a D4 based system and was a similar thing like you rolled a bunch of d4s you got full failure partial failure partial success full success i made a couple games based on that and then i started voraciously looking for other cool srds and like system documents that would do what like cool stuff that I wanted to do with games. And I eventually found Lumen, and that was what I said in the first question. I had a similar reaction to you of, oh, wow, this is a such a cool action game system. And so I'm like, okay, I have to design a game for that. I often think about Super's games, and there are systems that do it very well, but there, there's some elements of Super Heroes and, and four-color comics that just aren't covered. And when I was reading this, and I know we're like, okay, so we've got this fantasy game that we're about to read about. And then when I read the system, I'm like, my head kept going back to Supers. And like, there's or a, yeah, or sci-fi. There's a great hero game here. And I was thinking something for those old 80s cartoon heads, like the Galaxy Rangers or Silverhawks. This would be that kind of system. And uh, I actually wrote a note on paper. It's like on one of these pads of here over here that, uh, that is talk to Glenn because I think we need to do something with this. No. Oh, these are bad words. Bad words. I'm not even going to talk to you all about the rabbit holes I've already gone down today. A lot of the, the Lumen are actually science fiction based. And that's why I wanted to make Firmament is I was like, I wanted to make a cool, a cool fantasy one, like one where you had, you had these like magic light swords and these runic rifles that you could use that they weren't like sci-fi guns. They were like fantasy blasters. Yeah. yeah, that was a lot of the impetus for making Firmament. Nice. No, and what That's you've awesome. done and your adaptation of it, I'm really digging too. So I'm looking forward to diving into some of my specific questions on it. But for my question to close out the first round, I'm going to stay on the general. We'll call it the intro round. What we're talking about <laughs> the, the softball round, exactly. <laughs> the start of the system. Now, what I'm curious about is you found and was Firmament already? This is a multi-part question, which I'm always guilty of, so I apologize. Was Firmament already kicking around in there when you found Lumen, or did it start to form as you tried out a couple of the Lumen-style games to get a feel for the engine? If so, which Lumen games did you particularly enjoy, and would you recommend? So, 
Firmament definitely wasn't kicking around in there before before I found Lumen. Firmament owes a lot to Lumen in its current incarnation, but I really had this idea that was the vaguest idea where I wanted to make this thing about champions that were this sort of moon and sun, night and day theme, and they could do different stuff based on that. And that was how it started. And as I read through Lumen and started to like think about it, I'm like, okay. And it started to, that sort of vague concept started to form around the sort of contours of the Lumen system. So it is very much, I think, a Lumen game at its core. As to which Lumen games I'd recommend... No, Aside from your own, obviously, because we <laughs> want to try it. recommend Firmament. No, but Nova, by the creator of Lumen, is such a... It's a mech game, in a sense. You have these sort of mechs that have certain powers, and they have different models, so you can get a drifter suit, which is like this cowboyish one that it all depends on like when you run out of when you run out of like your your resource your fuel it's the same as running out of bullets in your six shooter and you quick reload and do uh, this special ability that you can do and just the dynamic nature of how so many of these things played is really just very cool awesome any pieces of nova that inspired anything in firmament the the, the drifter one that i told you about inspired a lot of the noon discipline say yeah classic in this and Noon is not so much a, like, six-shooter cowboy in that sense, but it is very much having two gunslinging pistols that you can fire a bunch of different shots with, not quite as much damage as, like, some of the other ones, but you can just hit a bunch of things all at once. And also just so much of the the structure and the way missions are structured is inspired by Nova, that the way that you are striking out on these individual missions, out of your sort of safe haven home of, in Firmament, it's the Armillary, which is the home base of the Order of the Firmament. Well, so many questions that I want to go ahead and talk about that. Wait till it's my turn. Yeah. And the so, art for Noon looks 100% like a gunslinging cowboy. Oh, totally. So like- Spot yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I think that brings us to the end of round one. So, does, your does. 20s. see who gets to uh, to go next. It shall not be I. Six. Uh, that's not me either. What'd you get, Leonika? I rolled an eight. You've got the initiative, my friend, and I will Ooh. go after Glenn. I've got a six. This yeah. is like the first time in a year I've gone first. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> I didn't expect to win it with an eight, though. Yeah. I, our first round, we talked a lot about the high level of bird's eye view of the game and your experiences coming up with the game. I want to get more into the nitty gritty of the game a little bit. And to start with, because I'm a storyteller at heart and I love the history of worlds. I love world building. I really appreciate the fact that you like to build worlds and you mentioned that during one of your earlier answers. Tell us about the realm of Rakama and how and how that plays out in the game. Like, what, Give us a little brief history of this. Our audience knows the kind of world they're going to be stepping into. Oh, good, good expression. Stepping into. That's what I was going to recommend. Nice. Got you. So in, in Rakama, in this fantasy realm, there, is, there are sort of three main eras that exist. And there's 
first era, the golden age era, that is way back when the firmament, this sort of vault of heavens, the closest thing that Rakama has to God, gave this magic, the power of the firmament, to the world. And then you have prosperity and things were good for a while. And then you have, after that, you have this sort of dark age where people began to corrupt this power, make it into something harmful, something meant to hurt others. And it became known as the affliction. And that's the evil magic of this setting. Then these champions of the firmament made this order and fought against the affliction. And that's where you get to today, where you have, you are champions of the firmament. You are playing as part of this order and your enemies are invariably going to be people using the affliction. The enemies that are in there are a wide variety that are, they work for basically whichever fantasy vibe you want. I tried to include a variety. So there's the Raven Hundred that are like this sort of almost gothic horror, almost vampire-y, genteel, very corrupt society individuals that are using this affliction just for their own ends. And then on the other hand, you have this sort of magitech tree of Braxen Alchemical that is, they are industrialized using firmament basically for business. And so you can go to either, do you want to explore this abandoned mansion or do you want to explore this like dockside warehouse and so there's a lot of space in rakama that you can do your own adventures and tailor it to the type of fantasy you like that's so cool i like it i love the open-endedness of it i really love that you've given structure but the structure is not oppressive you don't have to play this one particular way you've got a lot of creativity even just within the way that the the disciplines are structured you can really customize them to what it is you want them to be i love it Glenn, i think that's up to you now oh it's my turn already i know okay so i'm gonna just dive in at this point because we're talking about the game we're getting into how it works and we're getting into the mechanics and one of the things that i found most interesting in the lumen system is that permanent death is almost never on the table in fact in system in scenario in session you can usually come back right then and i found the way that you chose to write that into your game of firmament really interesting and unique especially with the anti-magic and i love that if you die and have to either come back or be brought back you're corrupted by the affliction to some degree mm -hmm. i that is like a super super awesome way to bring it full circle and connect it back between these two and a really great way to go around it but i do have some questions about how that part that process works because i know that you can obtain affliction and you're tainted now, which actually makes you more powerful, but it's also the stuff you're trying to fight, so it can't be good. So when you die, is it one affliction per death? First question. Yes. So you in you gain a point of affliction each time you die. Like you said, the Lumen system, death is usually not on the table as much. And there are certain games where it's that you... There are certain games where you can just revive an ally as an action. I wanted to make it so that as you are, like, as you get these increased deaths, 
you're also getting a little bit more like you're going toward the edge. You're continuing, but at a cost. Because it's very much fast-paced action and you get the affliction cleansed at the end of mission when you are able to go back to the Ari, it's not too much of a cost. This is still, like you said, it's a super game. It makes things a little more risky. I like it a lot. I like the double-edged swordsness of it and that death isn't just free. That's part of what I thought was really cool about it. So... Because it says reviving yourself or being revived, is that to say, I've got a couple of questions from this, is that to say that if I revive myself, if I die, I choose to come back on my own and I take the affliction? Or if I die and I've already got a lot of affliction, so Lee Wanika chooses to spare me another point, he can bring me back and he takes the affliction? I believe it's you take the affliction either way. So it's mm. the coming back. It's always the person coming Not back. Not reviving, it's the coming back that gives you affliction. And this so, is my final question on affliction. All right. It's capstone. <laughs> the rest of it was leading to this. Because I was like, oh, this is a super cool thing. But what happens if you're on that mission from hell and you just bite it over and over and over? Is there a point where you can become too corrupted? Is there a point where you can become so addicted that you can't come back? Where you could then wind up with either permanent death or that your society wouldn't accept you anymore or some other permanent consequence or is it just doesn't matter how much you gain and it's cleaned out at the end no absolutely you can get affliction and how you want to deal with that but yes i believe off the top of my head i believe affliction if it is more than your i believe if it is more than your health i want to say yeah, I think so too. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah. That is, yes, that is a, you become afflicted, corrupted in this way that can't be cleansed. You've gone too far. And there is a, a one of the enemy factions is something that sort of deals with this, that are these ostensibly like good, but too far gone individuals. They're the hex hunters hmm. that are more or less not part of the order, but they're more or less doing the same job as you, but they do it using affliction. So that was, that's always a theme of, are you willing to become the monster? And like, what happens when you go too far? Yeah. It's like a less funny version of Multiplicity, the movie with Michael Keaton. It's like, you never quite come back the same. Do you want early access to every Tabletop Journeys episode? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? Or, heck, do you just want to support the show? Join our Patreon today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, or you can make a one-time contribution to the cause. We love doing the show for y'all, and support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. So join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. Nice. I'm going to use cunning action to throw in a bonus action question on that. Just ask. Yeah, have at it. Does that say that there's a possible future release of a rule set to be able to play a Hex Hunter? Okay, so I that actually is really interesting because I was intending to make a, a game eventually that is 
a variant that is in a future that is affliction has won and there's and it is you can play as you still do heroic things if you want but at more of a cost with a different sort of rule set for dealing with affliction that yeah you can play as a hex hunter and i was thinking of like discipline that is basically also the sort of empire siphoning of the raven hundred but yes that is a, a potential a potential thing really going to be somewhere in between a full new game and just an alternate rule set that you can play for a minute into it. Like an affliction variation on the game. Yeah. Heard it here heard it here first, folks. Preview. (laughs) We are down for that. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to go ahead and talk about the book itself and how absolutely freaking gorgeous this book is. I love the artistic construction, not only from a layout point of view, just like how well the book is physically, like from the way that the page numbers are integrated to the globe down the bottom and stuff like that, little tiny details that are just so on brand for the type of game that you were trying to write. Like you were talking about earlier with the disciplines and how they're all based on sun phases and moon phases and stars and everything like that. So it's very much branding is in the layout and the layout is branding. And so what I really wanted to ask was where did that sort of concept come from where did what was the origin of that behind that what where did you like where did you come from that you were able to do layout like this because i am jealous because i have to do the layout for our books and these poor two have to go ahead and deal with the fact that my layout skills are not this good so so where did this come from because it's freaking gorgeous it it originally came from the when i started doing dm skilled stuff i basically had to make my own I did my own layout because my budget was zero. And so I started out doing the using a template and doing the standard like D&D layout, which you can find tests for that online. It's fairly easy to to, to figure out. But apparent, but at one point, someone that I, I had worked with before was like, oh, hey, your layout is, I really like how you did the layout on this, I believe it was a book of Ravnica subclasses for the Magic the Gathering setting of Ravnica. And, and he was like, yeah, I'm making some Fae-themed stuff. Do you want to do some layout for that? My response was basically, I have no idea how to do this. I guess I do because I did it for myself, but I've never learned to do this other than, oh, that looks good. But <laughs> he hired me anyway, and I have just been, like, each project I've done has gotten a little more ambitious in terms of layout. I made one for a project that did a lot of Art Nouveau themes, so Alphonse Mucha, and then one that was a Spelljammer book was the, this same guy that I, I was working for said, hey, for cover, my cover artist is doing this sort of 70s science fiction style cover. Can nice. you make the inside look like 70s science fiction? <laughs> so I was Excellent. like, yeah, totally. And so the answer is basically, I have slowly just come up with ideas and then been like, oh, I'm going to have to learn how to do that then and now because yeah. that idea is in my head and it won't come out. For the layout on Firmament, I was really inspired by sort of the layout of certain like modern tarot decks. Yep. Not the like old like Rider Waite ones, but like 
a lot of the more modern styles with silver, black, and gold. I really liked that style, and I was like, how do I make that into a game book? Now that um, you say that, I see it. That's basically it. I was like, what do I have to do to make it look like this thing that's in my head? And yeah, I found just some designs along that vein, and then used, used that. The layout of the book and just the way that it's constructed really just struck me. I'm really glad to hear that maybe someday my art, my layout will look as pretty as this. That's a, yeah, I do fantasize about brand. helping yeah. you with layout one day, just so yeah. you're aware. I just have not be, got there yet. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, round three. All uh, right. That's a six for me. 11. 12. Woohoo. All right. See, all Low three of us got to first. Very equitable. I know, right? One of the things that I'd like to talk about, because I thought it was a really cool concept to bring in and build into the game, is basically the way that you set up a system for ring upgrades and experts. And what that means to those of you out there that are listening that haven't read the book yet is you have your own base in this game. Side of the main central headquarters of the Order, you have your own ring or basically barracks. And Aaron, you built straight into the game the ability to earn upgrades to it that give you actual in-game benefits and then added experts that could run them for you if you get experts or you have to run them yourself. Whole idea of putting a mechanic into the game to create through downtime and other and mission rewards, etc. The ability to upgrade your own suite set of services, I think, is fantastic. And I wanted to know where that inspiration came from and just talk to us about that a little bit and what was behind it. The actual answer is that I am wild for base building mechanics and I'm a little bit obsessed. And in a lot of and to an, in a lot of games and stuff I've made, I just love the like ability to upgrade where you are and like put cool stuff that benefits you in it. And that sort of appears across a few of my games. In another one of my games, my nautical horror game, The Dreaded and the Deep, you can get a better ship because that is where you'll be staying most of the time is your ship. I am currently working on a basically rules to for D&D to build and staff a magical laboratory that's just based off of the very thin rules for that in the Ravnica setting. For this one, I'm like, what advancements would you get here? And it's the main way that you interact with the game is the thing that you customize most is your weapons. So a good few of them have to do with your weapons and changing tags on your weapons. Tags are basically different things that how your weapons function outside of just damage and range. They also have tags that do different stuff. So you can change tags, but then there are a few sort of non-mechanical ones like the library that you have just lets you stuff like part of your part of your journey that you might be on if you're doing an ongoing pain rather than a one shot you might have recurring enemies and they all use this sort of corrupt magic of affliction and they all have their own different structures and they all have different members and so yeah the library is just an open-ended i want to find things out and yeah experts were one of those things that it's what's another benefit that 
because there are a few upgrades that you can get, but most like a long running game could be going for longer than you would have. The, you might get the number of upgrades that the maximum number of upgrades. What do you do now? So experts are just a way that it's like it frees up your downtime to do other stuff because you can put if you rescue a librarian on one of your missions, you might be able to convince them to volunteer to work in your library. So rather than you having to pour over these books, your librarian can come back to you with some rich while you are off schmoozing with a local faction or using another one of your upgrades to change the tags on your weapons or things like that. Short answer is I'm really into base building. I like it because I love designing bases and coming up with ways to improve them as well. I was actually going to sing Glenn's phrases on this topic because I've always been into base building and it goes back to my 1E experiences role-playing back when 1E was still fresh and still putting out modules and books. I loved the concept in 1E about you get to a certain level and you build followers. And a stronghold. And you build a stronghold. When that went into second edition, I put that into overdrive. And then when third edition came out, that's when I was in my glory because no matter what class you played, you could choose the feat, you could gain followers, you had all these NPC classes, you had your seconds in command, and you could build an organization. And And then they had the Strongholds book that came out in, se- in third edition, where which I still have. It's actually on the shelf behind me. And I trot that out from time to time for inspiration when I'm uh, building my worlds. And I still build, even in 5e, worlds, base, and missions, dungeons encounters based on some of the things that are in those old third edition flat books because i love that concept glenn took that when we were playing palladium rifts and uh, our team we took over we took this base i don't think he originally had it in it for us to stay in that base because he made us fight pretty hard to keep it to be your base if you chose to keep it but it just uh, had a lot of downsides if you chose to keep it that you were gonna even, patch. yeah but i loved it like everything we did is like I, I poured over book after book and just build and oh we need to go get this i think we even generated at least one adventure based on just doing things to improve our base or secure our base we did. and yeah. find things to just make this base even cooler and it was awesome everybody needs Giles's library everybody needs their bat cave everybody needs their fortress of solitude there's nothing more heroic than this is the place where i call home you can't even <laughs> really be a hero if you don't have a big penny and a dinosaur that's my thoughts so i love the fact that you have a set of mechanics that seems very core to the game that that's a way to advance. But Josh and I have even been talking and Glenn and I, we've done episodes on ways to show advancement. And I think we've got something in the hopper for the near near future about going into other ways to do that. And what a better way than to give you a base of operations or to improve your ship if you're in a traveling kind of scenario. And it crosses all genres, crosses all types of TTRPGs. You've got a ship, make your ship better. Build something better into it. Get your cannon for it. Something. There's always something you can do. A better drive. Like the Millennium Falcon. What was that? If nothing else, they had to fix that hyperdrive, which they finally got done. And then nobody (laughs) believed it was actually done. I love that idea. It's actually your question because you can win. 
It is. I don't know if that was the perfect segue for the, for my next question, but we're going to go with <laughs> oh, it anyway. I've got a perfect segue for it. I agree with everything you just said. I really dig building bases too. Lee, it's your question. What you got? Nicely done, sir. This goes to the game again because it is a new system to us as hosts. And it comes to talking about indie games, I think it's really important for those of us who, in the content creation and then podcast realm to really talk about the things that people will find and will be able to enjoy in these games so that it gives them a reason to go out and give this a go. And so along those lines, what is one of the things, not the one, I don't, this isn't pick your favorite child kind of question, but give me one thing that would size even the most veteran gamer about the Firmum game or the world of Rakama that you have built within this game. One, wow, this is going to surprise you. You're going to find this thing really cool. Based on playtesting and fact that I'd gotten from my players, who are also a bunch of veteran gamers, it's the ability to do just have a really impressive turn when everything lines up. And it's I would say it's not unique to, to Firmament necessarily. Other games do it, but Firmament does it really well. And and each, each class or each discipline has different abilities and different styles that you can use to augment these abilities. And if you... And there's so many different ways to make it work, but when you do make it work in a way that you enjoy, you get this thing where it's like, oh, I'm playing as... I'm playing as the Dawn Discipline and I managed to save all of my, like all the rest of my team by taunting one around me. They all focused on me while my team just went around and dealt with that. And I could weather it because I'm, I'm this tanky guy or I'm the Dusk Discipline. I can, I spent my whole turn just blinking from guy to guy teleporting to them, stabbing them, and I cleared out a whole room that way. I feel like it really genders this sort of, oh my, it's the, you'll, you won't believe this cool thing I did playing the game last night. Nice. It's in one of my other hobbies, we have, we call those no shit there I was stories, right? It's, yep. it's like, you won't believe what I just saw. And that was, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I love Josh it. I love all- it. Yeah, Josh has a lot of those good stories. So. I do have a bunch of good stories like that. It's true. Yeah, because what happens in my head is twice as cool as what happened in real life. Yeah, I was about to say it's because he's got a great imagination, but he said the same thing with more I mean, words. I've got the final question here of round three, which means that I get to go ahead and ask the really great question. And part of the reason why you're on the show today is because you have got an update and new material for Firmament coming out shortly. Talk to us about what's going to be in that update. What are we going to see in the next iteration of Firmament? And we already talked about maybe like the affliction-based rules that are coming out. What what else do you have in the hopper coming up? Coming up, there's going to be some custom-made character sheets I'm producing that are going to be in the same style as like the layout that you mentioned, that sort of almost somewhere between tarot and art deco almost. And then we are getting a bunch new bunch of new GM rules, like ways that you can, ways to make it, some pre-built things to make it easier for a GM to pick up the game. Everything in Firmament is going to be so a GM can build stuff easily, but sometimes it's it's the day of, I didn't do any work on prep, 
And even in this minimal prep thing, I want to just, oh, cool, there's this thing that I can sit down and run. So there's going to be some of that. And then I think there's going to be a few more of these sort of special legendary weapons that are available. Because, again, it's easy to build cool weapons in Firmament, but sometimes you just want a list of neat things that you can hand out to your players and other advancements as well. Just different ways players can get better and level up, as it were. Awesome. Cool. All right, gents, I think that we are up to our lightning round here. One final roll of the D20. Now, lightning round, I was playing at home. These are going to be short questions and short answer, but obviously, Aaron, you can go as long as you want on your answers, but the questions themselves are designed to be short. All right, I got a 15. I'm an 8. 9. 9. Okay, cool. First question then comes to me. If I, if we were going to sit down and play Firmament, how long does your average game session last, or like your optimal game session last, and what's the optimal number of players? I would say the optimal number of players is three to four, but you can go a, like, just me and a couple friends. You can do, oh, I have this larger group. It's pretty flexible. I would say average game session could be one to two hours. It's designed to be fast-paced. You always, if you want it to go longer, you can always build more stuff, make it more of a marathon, but one to two hours is a standard session. Perfect. All right. Nice. That's great, though, because a game that you take in small sessions is often these days preferable for me that to a game that runs six to eight hours at a time. I've got to go fast. So short preamble. I absolutely love, love, love the fact that with your focus on the sun and the moon, that you stayed with light and light as opposed to light versus darkness, and that you have flash and glow as opposed, and you have for to reflect brightness and dimness, and you have basically sunlight and moonlight. Talk to us about where that came from. How, what made you decide to stay light and light versus light and darkness? Because I think it's fascinating, and I'm re- it really made me want to know what was behind it, lore-wise or world-wise. Yeah, I always think that like light versus darkness is a little bit basic and reductive, and also that I like. I wanted to have a couple classes that were to be sneaky characters that could operate in darkness. The dusk and light classes both operate in darkness, so I didn't want to make darkness the specific bad thing. But it's because they are like night is focused on moonlight. I like the idea of night isn't necessarily the bad guy. It's the power of moonlight is just as important as the power of the sun. And yeah, that was my thought process there of it's not light versus dark. It's firmament versus affliction. So that brings me to my lightning round question. You've talked throughout this interview about a number of different game building and content creation elements you've done. And I want to bring the focus back to you as an individual and as a content creator in this space. Can you give us a real brief rundown of the types of games in the game systems you've done content for and where we can find those? Yeah. So I have done plenty of Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition stuff, and that's all on Dungeon Master's Guild under Aaron Tierney. Yeah, for that, I've done a bunch of some nautical stuff, some Spelljammer stuff, some time-themed stuff. And yeah, so that's all there. 
I also have made a couple games for Caltrop Core that I mentioned at the I mentioned earlier. The Dreaded and the Deep is a nautical terror game that is about sailing a haunted ocean and slowly becoming permanently changed by <laughs> what and what you experience on the ocean and eventually dying. It always ends with your character dying. When you mentioned the dreaded in the deep, you had me at the rhyme of the ancient mariner that if that's the setting that you have based that on i'm in so yeah but well done i feel like you write games for me it's pretty great and then i've also written orphans which is a game based on i call it gothic kidlet the lemony snicket series of unfortunate events trenton stewart mysterious benedict society thing edward gory it's based on basically plucky orphans and like the useless adults who don't believe them when they are trying to deal with villainy that sends them. So it's very much based on that genre. Nice. And then, and those are on my itch, my itch page, which is, it is P-trig, that's P-R-I-G-Y dot itch dot io and that's where firmament is as well excellent cool fantastic we'll make sure the links for those are in the notes for the show absolutely Erin, this has been a fabulous time as soon as i started reading this book i was like oh man i cannot wait to get her on tonight to go ahead and talk about this so this is just a fabulous time thank you so very much for uh, for taking some time out of your evening to chat with us so we really appreciate it All right, so next week's episode, we're going to be having an interview with Dave Carter from HHLSCon because Tabletop Journeys is going on the road. We're going to be at HHLSCon, probably doing some live look-ins next week and probably, yeah, doing a bunch of stuff down there from the from the convention. So looking forward to that. We've got Dave coming on to go ahead and talk about what HHLSCon is and how all of our lucky listeners in the Connecticut area can come out and check it out. So I'm really looking forward to that interview. Yeah, and there is. There may be some game tables run by hosts of Tabletop Journeys. That is what we do when we go on the road. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Maybe some previews of things coming out in the in the book that we just put out on Kickstarter a little while ago yep. while we're fleshing those things out. So maybe, who knows what we're going to see there. But yeah. One anyway, of those games that- may or may not be a playtest of something we're planning on publishing in the not so distant future. Yep. Yep. I hear that. I hear that. So anyway, all that to go ahead and say, Aaron, thank you so very much. Again, this is an awesome time having you on tonight and really looking forward. Everyone go out there, check out Firmament. It's on itch. It's only $5, which is a criminally low price for, for a book of this quality this book is gorgeous i would love to be able to hold this in my hand and and stuff but maybe next time we can get a physical copy too that'd be amazing but gorgeous book thank you so very much for coming on today thanks for having me absolutely and uh, in the future when you have new books or new games that come out if you're so inclined look us up give us a call hashtag call your boys ttj we'd love to have you join us on air run a scenario where we get to play with fantastic heroes such as these or others that come into your mind yeah all right we love having game creators come on to go ahead and run game sessions for us. Maybe in the new year, we'll have to put something together to have you come back on. Okay. Great. Be glad to. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us tonight. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, our interview with Aaron Tierney, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Take it easy. Have a good night, all. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, 
or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water. Thank you.